to be back again uh, with you here in the boy. It's always a thrill to come along to the lifeboat and to see how things are going and to see that you're still keeping on the straight and the narrow way. You don't know where people are going these days. I've come across some serious shocks recently uh, from people that I never thought for one moment would drift, and yet they have. The announcements this morning, they're about prayer meetings, and especially about the homeschooling thing. Uh, I don't know if I've heard of anywhere else at all that's proposing to do that. I may be wrong, but uh, it's very necessary in these days. I had a lady uh, rang me on the phone here one day about maybe two or three weeks ago in tears about some of the things that in a primary school they're wanting to teach her seven-year-old child. I cannot figure out the logic of that. I'm not going to mention the items, but they were the most disgusting imaginable. And to educate children in nonsense like that and things that are sinful and evil, to me, makes absolutely no sense. And I'm glad to see that at least someone or some group of people are doing something about it. May the Lord bless you for it. Continue remembering us, friends, in your prayers down in Carrickfergus. Uh, going down there straight after the meeting now, and we have the final night of the mission down there in the meantime. And we're hoping to go back again and resume. God very gracious in the Carrickfergus area, and uh, thank God we have seen his hand in blessing and in salvation. People professing to be saved. And that's a great thing when you see souls coming with tears and repentance and making their, their getting right with God. And you, Some of them, these folk that we have seen, you wouldn't have a single doubt about. I haven't been in Carrickfergus for a very long time uh, preaching at all, but I've never came across, and I'm saying this to their credit, a group of people like this in all my life I called at the door one day and a man said to me, um, oh, take that leaflet back, he says. I'm not taking that from you. I wouldn't go there. And at that stage, I wasn't quite sure what he was getting at. But he looked at me and he said, they're all rascals up in that church. Wouldn't go. I thought, my goodness, that's a good start. What on earth is he talking about? But when I got up in among them, I discovered what he meant. They're all sinners saved by grace. Alcoholics, paramilitaries, drug addicts, you name it, they have it among them, delivered and saved by the sovereign grace of God. Wonderful to be able to work with a people like that and to see them doing their best to get their friends in to the gospel mission. So you pray that the Lord will keep his hand upon us as we bring the mission to a close down there this evening. So it's good to be back. Turn with me to 1 John, and I'm just going to read a verse or two with you. If ever I needed an encouragement or some kind of leading as to what I should say to you in the meeting, the opening prayer from our brother Bertie was certainly that in the meeting today. You'll see why I say that in a moment or two. Now, 1 John, the second chapter, 
And let's have a look at verse 27. John is remarkable in some of the amazing truths that he reveals. And he says here, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you all of all things and is truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Note that statement. Ye shall abide in him. Now this verse. And now little children, Abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Let's conclude the chapter. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of God. That's an amazing Reading, may the Lord add his blessing to his own precious word. Some mornings ago, friends, when I awoke to face another day, I was making a little something for myself and the wee dog. That's the way we live, just the two of us. I turned on the television, as one old man used to say, I wanted to see what happened since I fell asleep. And as I listened to the news, I heard about an earthquake in Afghanistan that killed over a thousand people. I just can't imagine what a scene like that must be like. Strangely enough, earthquakes don't seem to make headline news anymore because I've hardly heard of it since. But the next item brought before us what we've heard about already, and that was the war in Gaza and the terrible circumstances that are prevailing there even at this moment in time. But as I listened to those two things, my mind began to go again to this great book, The Word of God. I have listened to leading politicians the word over, trying to solve this matter. God has never been named. Not once. You see, men have forgotten that the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas. And established it upon the floods. And on planet earth. No matter what men may try to do. God's will will definitely be performed. But very often you hear people say. That when it comes to the Lord's return, we're not told to look for signs, but we can't help looking at them. And that's very true. 
Because when he comes, he's coming in a moment. He's coming quickly. He's coming in a twinkling of an eye. I never forgot an old preacher saying one night when I was listening to him that the twinkling of an eye was half a wink. Now, I don't know how you determine or explain a moment quickly, twinkling of an eye, but the things that will happen are remarkable and amazing once the Savior comes. But the Scriptures tells us concerning the last of the last days. This is what struck me. There will be earthquakes in divers places. There will be wars and rumors of wars. I contacted a man yesterday who would be a bit of an authority on things like that because I wanted to know something. And I said to him, tell me, we know this world or this war that's going on at the moment is international news. But how many wars are going on on planet Earth at the minute? And he shocked me. There are 27. Now don't ask me to quote them because I couldn't. But they're there. Wars and rumors of wars. What saddens me quite a bit is this. That I don't honestly think that as believers on the Lord Jesus today, we have wakened up to the fact that the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. What I have discovered, especially when you're out in evangelistic work, that somehow there are men and women too out there in the world who seem to have grasped that more than we have. Now, I think that's extremely sad. But it's very easy just to come and go like a door on a hinge, and reality never strikes you. Brethren and sisters, we could be home in glory before next Lord's day. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Now, I just wonder, this morning in the meeting, are we really prepared for his coming? You say to me, what do you mean? Well, if the king was coming to your house today, I wonder what you'd be doing. You'd be dusting, you'd be polishing, you'd be cleaning, you'd be doing all the necessary things to welcome the king. But the one that's coming is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I wonder, are we truly ready as the people of God? Can I put it to you like this? Is there a chance that we might be caught up and caught on? Not just as ready as we would like or he would like us to be. Now this verse here, verse 28, in this chapter, immediately came flashing to my mind that morning. And I must admit that I've gone through it and through it time and again. 
looking at what this verse is teaching. And I want to lead you into it with that background in mind. And the first thing I want to mention quickly is the heart of John revealed. What about your heart today as a child of God? John says, and now little children. If I were to refer to you today as a little child, I wonder how you'd feel. But this is coming from a man who cared about the people of God. For example, you find him using this term in verse 1, verse 12, verse 13, verse 18, here in verse 28, and he concludes the epistle by referring to little children again. Now, I'm sure that in the fellowships he wrote to, there were teenagers there. Probably there were adult men and women in these assemblies. And yet, to this man, John, they were like little children. They were a people that he cared for deeply and dearly. Why, if that attitude were to prevail amongst the people of God today, what a place the local church would be. I remember many years ago, friends, may have related this to you before, but it bears repeating. I was going to a church in Belfast and there was a brother talking to me who had been there and he said to me, whenever you go to that church, when you go through the side door just beside the pulpit like this, on the prayer room wall, there's a picture. Now he says, I want you to take a good look at it. I said, okay. What he didn't tell me was this that there were three steps down into the room and I never seen them. I got into the prayer meeting on my ear, literally. That's how I arrived, flat on my face on the floor, which is probably not a bad way to be in a prayer meeting, but I didn't intend that to happen at all. But I got up and I looked at this picture on the wall. Here's what it said. If all of my assembly was just like me, what kind of an assembly would my assembly be? Boy, I never forgot that. I never did. I'm going to repeat it. If all of my assembly were just like me, what kind of an assembly would our assembly be? Would it be a place of argument? and debate, and dispute? Or would it be a place where the love of Christ is manifested continually? And we could see the people of God like John saw them. My little children. If ever there was a place on earth, friends, where we should know how to bury the hatchet without burying it in each other, 
It's the people of God. We ought to know that. You see, this man John lay on the very breast of the Lord Jesus. And he listened to his heartbeat. And I think it somehow affected the man. And he became the disciple of love. The disciple whom Jesus loved. History tells us that out of the twelve, the original twelve, one committed suicide, who was Judas. The other ten were martyred. And John was the only one who died a natural death. He went to Ephesus to gain the book of the Revelation and other things, of course, and sorry, to Patmos. And then later returned to Ephesus where he died as a very old man. He was a man with a true shepherd heart. I'll leave that there, the heart of John revealed. But the second thing I noticed in this verse was the harmony of Christian walking and working. Harmony is so necessary. And John wrote this, Now, my little children, abide in him. Now, that word abide is a very striking word. Not running in and running out. No, no. Coming in and staying there. Abide in him. You were brought. From darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. You were brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. You left the dictatorship of the devil and you came into Christ. Now John is saying, stay there. Abide, abide in him. Jesus said, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Oh boy, if only we could get all the people of God steady, just like that. Old Nicholson, when he was around, I never ever heard or saw the man at any time. But he used to have unusual quotations, very unusual ones. But he used to talk about somebody called Johnny Mora. I have no idea, maybe Bertie knows what I'm going to say, he's laughing here. But he used to say this, so many believers were like Johnny Mora, wheel the Bora. Hear the day and away the Mora. Isn't that true? Is that abiding in him? Not at all, friend. Not at all. That to me is some kind of a spiritual scallywag running around from place to place and leaving nothing but a mess behind them. The strange thing I've noticed is this that those who make a mess among the people of God never tidy it. They head off. They fly off into the night and they leave the tidy into someone else. 
That's not very honest. I don't think it is at least. But anyway, you're told to abide in him. Are we doing that today? I trust we are. I must go on for the sake of time. But then he comes to the hope of Christ's appearing. And this is the one I really want to get my teeth into for a moment. That when he shall appear. Now, beloved, Christ is going to appear. Do you see that word, shall, 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 when he shall appear? Jesus is coming again. It may be at morn, when the day is awaking, when sunlight through darkness and shadow is breaking, that Jesus will come in the fullness of glory to call from the world his own. Is this our prayer today? O oh Lord Jesus, how long, how long ere we shout the glad song, Christ returneth, hallelujah, hallelujah, Amen. He's really coming again. Listen, brother, listen, sister. Here's what he said. If I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Isn't that remarkable? That thrills my heart today. Because the Lord Jesus said that to us, his believing people. Sometimes I feel that when it comes to the truth of the second coming of Christ, we tend to be a little bit selfish in our thinking. It's not our going that's the major issue, it's his coming is the major issue. Jesus is coming again. Why? Because he wants to receive us. We're going home to glory soon to see the city bright. And we could be going up in mass, rising a multitude that no man can number, rising to meet the Lord in the air. Boy, won't that be something. He's really coming again. Now listen, here's, here's what I want to get at. On the Mount of Olives, when he gathered the twelve around him and gave the great commission, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized, he that believeth not shall be damned, and so on. And that verse clears the way to heaven and to hell, but that's not our topic today. But my And then he began to rise. And up and up and up he went. Right into the glory itself. And a cloud, which I believe was a cloud of angels, received him out of their sight. He disappeared. 
The world has never heard from Christ in person from that day to this. No spoken word. Yes, there are things written in our Bible, but no spoken word has ever been heard since. The next words, I believe, that he will speak will be to his people, come up hither. Come up hither. What a moment that will be. But listen, I've been trying to combine these two words, appear and disappear. He disappeared now to appear in the presence of God for us. That mighty. That even as I'm standing here talking to you today, there's one representing me at the Father's right hand in glory. And he's the one who died for me. He's the one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Sometimes I feel that God's people have never learned to make the use of the mediator that they should do. I was talking to a man at the mission during the course who came in. His daughter had come to the Lord and she had persuaded her dad to come out to the meeting. And he, the first night he came, he walked straight up into the inquiry room after the meeting. And he sat down beside me yonder and he said to me, he said, I have an awful thing to confess. I said, what is it? He said, I feel so ashamed. There's my daughter has come to the Lord. And what kind of an example have I been? He says, I've been a backslider for seven years, for 11 years. And that came to me as a bit of a shock, for he's a very quiet, decent, respectable kind of guy. But when we talked to him and dealt with him and he came back to the Lord, what I discovered was this again, that what had brought him away from the Lord was unconfessed sin. Now, an unconfessed sin can take a grip on the life of the believer. It can become a habit and it will drag you away from the Lord. So a thought and reap an action. So an action and reap a habit. So a habit and reap a character. So a character, reap a future. So a future and reap an eternity. I've seen it over and over and over again. I'm sure your pastor has too. We don't make enough use of the mediator. If we confess our sin, thank God, I need to be doing it every day I live, sometimes more than once. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Brethren and sisters, never be scared to tell God you're sorry. Never be. And he'll forgive you and keep you on the straight and narrow way. Yes, he disappeared, and now he appeared in the presence of God for us. But he's going to appear. That's what this verse says. When he shall appear. Wouldn't that be something? Tell me this. As a brother and sister in Christ today, sometimes I let my mind run riot. Maybe that's not a wise thing to do, you know. Lady said to me one day in a meeting, she says, you say terrible, terrible things at times. Well, I said, if you only knew the things in my head, I don't say. But I, didn't, I didn't tell her what they were, you know. But, you know, 
have you ever thought of what the Lord looks like? Now, I, I would wonder about that sometimes. I really would. But you know, the amazing thing is this. When we see him, we shall be like him. That'll be some vision and some transformation. He's going to appear. And John tells us in this very epistle, we're going to see him as he is. Not as he was. As a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. His path on earth, wrote the hymn writer, the cross, the grave, his sorrows, all are old and oh sweet thought, his eye shall weep and his heart shall break no more. That's the Christ of history. It's gone. He's coming as he is, crowned with glory and honor. Boy, what a sight that will be, eh? He will appear. But when he appears, you will disappear. I repeat it again. We're going home to glory soon. To see the city bright. I wonder... Sometimes I wonder, should I say this at all or not, but if the Lord came and took you home to glory today, there's going to be people left behind. I wonder, will you leave them a mess to clean up? Or are you just ready to move out? wonder, are you? I used to talk in our country about some things that looked as if it was left over from a flitting. Well, I think you know what I mean. I wonder how that fares with you and I. Are we just ready? As a dear brother, Bertie, I know who I'm talking about here, used to say to me all the time, used to catch me with a wrist, and he'd say, Brother, are you ready for the liftoff? Are we? Really ready? What will it be to rise and meet him in the air? When he appears, we'll disappear. But what are we leaving behind? Tell me, are we leaving behind people that we should have pointed to the Lord? Are we true in the evangelical cause? Do you come to the meeting on a Sunday night? God bless you if you do. There are so many who don't today. But can you not find a poor old sinner somewhere in this area to bring to the meeting with you? That's your job. Go and get them. Bring them in. The pastor can't do it all. And then when people are not getting saved, he gets the blame. That's not the way it is. I began this mission we're on by going down to the church one night and talking to them for roughly one hour on everyone win one and how to do it. And the Lord bless them. They've been trying to put it into practice. And I believe that God will honor them, even when the mission's gone, because they're keeping at it. We'll disappear. Aye. But listen, Paul told the Corinthians, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And I must admit this morning, friends, if I'm going to be utterly honest, that's something that brings a tremble to my very heart every time I think about it. 
Because people will tell you that judgment for the believer's over. Well, I want to tell you, we never wrote what Paul said. It was Paul wrote it. It's the judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. You have nothing to fear for your sin, but you have everything to fear for your service. Everything. And this appearing means this. It's Christ and you, no one else. A personal appearing at the judgment seat of Christ. I've often illustrated it like this. I've never ever seen a film being made ever in my life, but I would reckon that the actors would come onto the set or the stage or whatever they call it, and they act out the part. And when they act out the part, then the film is edited and it goes out whatever way they do this. What about the editing of your life and mine? Wonder how many bits he'll cut out. Sometimes I wonder, will there be anything left at all? Must I empty-handed go? Not one soul with which to greet him. Must I meet my Savior so? My friends, this is the great hope we have, that Jesus is coming. And I couldn't help thinking about two men in the Bible. <coughs> Pardon me. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but all them that love his appearing. Listen, friends, Paul knew when he was going. He knew where he was going, and he knew what he was going to. That's very important. Do I, do we know what we're going to? That wasn't exclusive to Paul. It's to all them that love is appearing. That's searching. Christ and me looking into my life. Oh boy, that will be some moment. Some moment. We must all appear. We must all be unwound at the judgment seat of Christ. I wonder how much he'll have to cancel out. That's very searching. One final thing about this, I'll finish this morning. It's the handling of Christ's coming. We've had the heart and the harmony and the hope. The handling is this. There's more in the verse. I'll leave it with you. We may have confidence and not, listen, be ashamed before him. Should that not be a dread? That we be ashamed before him at his coming. I was thinking, wouldn't it be a terrible thing to stand there before Christ, to see the whole of our lives consumed by fire, because fire will try our service of what sort it is, and wish, dearly wish, we could come back to earth for the few short years we're here and live it all over again. It would be different, but that's not going to happen.
It's a one and one only opportunity. A shame before him? It's possible. Wouldn't be here if it wasn't. A shame before him at his coming. How are we going to handle it? I bring you to the second man of finish. His name was Demas. And for a while he went well. And I don't think he was ever a person that wasn't genuinely saved. But Paul wrote this about him. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is gone unto Thessalonica. I wonder what he thinks about that now. And you know, don't misunderstand me. I don't want to sound critical in this issue, but I was reading recently where some men had gone, woman too, with them to excavate in Thessalonica. And they came across a plaque. And when they cleaned it all up, it was like a plaque that you would put on the names of the city fathers. That kind of thing. Now, I'm not going to tell you this was the man we're talking about. But the very top name was Demas. The very top one. He loved this present evil world, if that was him, at the expense of the world to come. You can do exactly the same. And so can I. Is the Lord looking into our lives today? Maybe there are little things he's touching now that maybe we need to put right. I think I'd fail if I didn't give you that opportunity. Let's bow our heads just for a moment, shall we please? You take a moment, friend, to talk to the Lord yourself. And if you feel happy with everything, well, that's okay. But if you don't, now's the chance to put it right. And the Lord alone knows what could come from this congregation today if all God's people were right with him. Remember, all of this assembly, what kind of an assembly would our assembly be? I'm just putting that out. Lord, as we bow before Thee in the quietness of this moment, if there should be things in our lives that are hindering the blessing of God, please put your finger on it now. And help us to be big enough and man enough to confess. And then you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do a new thing in all of our lives today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.